Hang on there one second. Let's go ahead and take a minute to pay the bills. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had so many questions. How do I record an episode? Where do I find background music? How do I get my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other places that you like to listen to podcasts? Where do I find advertisers? The answer to every single one of those questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing, and monetizing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and 100% ridiculously easy to use. So if you're always wanted to start a podcast, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. The following podcast has not been rated. Listening to Fullbacks Are People Too, The Fapt. And here's your host, CJ Newman. Hey, hey, hey. You're listening to Fullbacks Are People Too, The Fapt. week's episode of the fapt has two guests on it it's got uh at chef chad wells and at csr the real forno i think that's it at csr the real forno he's changed his handle more than i changed my underwear i swear so um this week we actually decided that we were going to take the uh, equipment on the road and i went to chad's house and we did a skype call to tyler out in minnesota so out in Maryland, um, bumfuck Maryland, where Chad lives, uh, we decided to Skype out to uh, Minnesota, and we had a great conversation. So I'm going to go ahead and play some of that for you guys here. It's a pretty long one, so I'm going to break it up into two separate podcasts, and then uh, the other one will come in a couple days, just so you got some content on your way to work, and you uh, are able to do whatever you want to as far as listening to my content. And that will should not affect uh, having a podcast next week. I'll probably get Recliner QB to come back on. Let me see if Sean Alvishire is available. Uh, maybe get another guest on or something like that. Um, I haven't decided yet, so we're going to see what happens. But until then, uh, I've got Chef Chad and Tyler Fornes. And y'all thought we were dead once again, but no, we are going to have two podcasts this week. I can't wait to talk with my buddies here. I'm uh, here live at uh, Chad Wells' house. Chef Chad, how the hell are you? I'm good, CJ. Good to see you, man. I haven't seen you since uh, you were really drunk at your party. Yeah. Uh, That was my uh, Dirty 30 slash graduation party, and that was was one hell of an event. I'm glad you came to that event. I mean, we we all piled up and rolled over to the karaoke bar, and there was no karaoke. So we just made karaoke in my house. Yeah, that was a great night. Great night. But it's good. Good to be back. Good to be uh, actually getting closer and closer to football season, and it's good to be in the midst of fishing season, and uh, just good all around. I'm glad to have you. And, uh, of course, this week I've got uh, via Skype here, I've got uh, Tyler Fornas at The Real Forno. What the hell's going on, man? 
Oh, not a whole lot. Enjoying a nice Friday off. Played nine holes already, and I'm having a beer. It's a good day. Wait, but you play golf? Yes, I do. So you don't just look like an asshole. You are one. Yeah, I'm still not CJ, so it's okay. <laughs> well, when I hear nine holes, I think, never mind. <laughs> Typical night at Dundalk, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so, guys, uh, believe it or not, there's shit going on in the NFL, so let's uh, go ahead and crack this case open and start talking about what's going on. Uh, as of last night, and just peeling back the curtain, we were recording this on a Friday night because, you know, we have fucking lives. So, um, what's going on? Last night, Pat Bolin passed away at the age of 75, and uh, he has been the owner of the Denver Broncos since 1984. For the past couple of years, he has been battling Alzheimer's. So, he uh, gave up control of his team to, in 2014 to a group of investors, uh, I'm sorry, a trustee board, I should say, and uh, they're looking to make some sort of... <laughs> Some sort of fucking Willy Wonka competition where these kids that uh, Pat Bowen has, three of them, have to compete for who is actually going to uh, be the next owner of the Denver Broncos. So um, they should do that like they do Survivor. Like they should throw them on an island and have them compete. People vote them off. And if you if you lose, you don't get to be a uh, owner of the Broncos. (laughs) Hunger Games. Yes. Hunger Games. There you go. So uh, I, got, I got to ask you guys, in honor of uh, Pat Bowlin here, uh, what was your favorite Broncos memory growing up? Tyler, you first. Oh, I think that's easy. Uh, there were two of them for me. Uh, one of them, and they both actually happened in Super Bowl 32. One was the uh, John Elway helicopter, uh, and another one was where Steve Atwater wiped out three people, including himself, on that last Packer drive. Uh, those Bronco teams were uh, so much fun for me to watch as a seven, eight-year-old kid, and they they really helped introduce me to a, a unique brand of football because I was uh, very young and impressionable and hadn't watched a whole lot, but being able to see John Elway at the very end of his career still be able to do great things. Terrell Davis uh, had like three Hall of Fame seasons, and then he finally got into Canton a couple years ago. And then Steve Atwater is one of my favorite players ever. He, w- he had no fear, and he would just hit you until your head came off. Is it a travesty that Steve Atwater still isn't in the Hall of Fame? It's a huge travesty. Yeah, I thought so too. He was a generational safety that didn't get the credit that others did because you had guys like Ronnie Lott who would hard hit and get interceptions. He was a guy, if you went over the middle of the field, you feared for your neck. Mm -hmm. We know what it's like to have good safeties in Baltimore, but, um, Chad, tell me uh, what your favorite Broncos memory was. All right. So this isn't growing up to be honest with you. I mean, the helicopter play is legit. Um, I'm not going to take that one for Tyler. You already covered that. I'm actually going to go a little bit later as a Broncos moment. Uh, do you remember when Tim Tebow beat the Steelers? Yes, 2011 um, season. You know, I love Tebow. Be, be, I remember that vividly. Well, well, the thing is, I just remember that season that it, it was so getting Tebowed was like the most embarrassing thing that could possibly happen. The way people would make fun of you, the way that people would just bash your team and everything, and for it to happen to the Steelers in the playoffs to it here in Baltimore. I mean, Steelers fans just didn't even show their faces for like probably until halfway through the following season after getting T-Bone. And for me as a Broncos moment, that's a huge one. I have a favorite Broncos moment, but it is not uh, in favor of the Broncos. So we're not going to discuss that one right well, now. Actually, I think, uh, 
I think I was going to cover that myself, actually. So my favorite Broncos moment was the next season. It was uh, the 2012 season, but uh, it wasn't exactly a winning moment for the Broncos. It was with the guess the best game ever played, in my opinion. Yes, Ravens Broncos playoff game. Yes, it was in the divisional round, 2012-2013 uh, season. It was um, Joe Flacco versus Peyton Manning. It was Ray Lewis's last season as a uh, player in the NFL, and that game was just amazing. It ended up being a score of 38 to 35 in double overtime. Yep, and. Uh, Flacco didn't throw any interceptions. Threw, threw the F bomb. Yeah, he uh, threw a rainbow at the end of uh, regulation that uh, was caught by Jacoby Jones in for the touchdown. Uh, Peyton Manning threw, uh, if I'm not mistaken, three touchdowns to two picks, and uh, No. Sean Marino had one of the. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Trinidad Holiday. Trinidad Holiday yeah, had uh, Holiday. two returns for. Uh, Touchdowns. He had a punt return and a kick return, which made history in the playoffs. So um, that one, I remember being on the edge of my seat the entire time, just seeing the score going back and forth. That that game is pro- is my favorite football game of all time, and probably my favorite football moment. But I'm taking the thing of we should not talk about a day that is dead to Bron- to Broncos fans because Broncos fans hate that moment. There's no way they could like that. They walked into that game being so fucking good. And they got embarrassed in the end by the Ravens by bad safety play from the Broncos. But if I'm going to go with a positive Broncos moment, I'm going to go with when they T-bowed the Steelers. And if I'm going to go with my favorite Broncos moment ever is when they lost to the Ravens and the Ravens ultimately won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to agree with that. And the helicopter obviously was uh, one hell of a play. Um, just And let's think about some of the quarterback play over the years that's happened. I mean, you got John Elway. Uh, Jay Cutler was a thing. Uh, Kyle Orton. Um, Jay Cutler was very good there, too. Yeah, he got traded for Kyle Orton, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Correct? And then he the did, happened. and there were some draft picks involved. Uh, that that draft pick actually got them. It was either Tebow or Demarius Thomas because they were both in the same draft. Well, the year uh, the year that they drafted Tebow, um, it, it was very odd because I remember McDaniel's was the head coach, and if you recall, he he jumped all over the board in the draft, and then ended up taking Tebow. And in my opinion, like, do I think Tebow was a bad pick? In hindsight, obviously, it was a shit pick, but. You, you go and you think about it for a little bit. He moved all over the board and got nothing. And I remember when he was doing it and, and accumulating all these picks and then moved back in and got Tebow. I thought it was just bizarre at the end of the day. Now, well, he got Demarius Thomas. Yeah, I mean, that was that's a great, great move. I got to ask, what's worse, using your first round pick on Tim Tebow or being the Jets and trading your first rounder for Tim Tebow? They traded a fifth. No, they traded a first, dude. No, it was a fifth, man. They did not get much for him because the Broncos were massive sellers. Mm. And he was not going to the Jets to start. He was going to back up Mark Sanchez. Yeah, I remember it came the Tebow sweepstakes came down to Jacksonville and the New York Jets. Uh, Jacksonville would have been a perfect spot for him because they might have actually believed in him. Um, McDaniels believed in Tebow. John Elway came in that following January, hated Tebow, fired McDaniels. Hired John Fox. John Fox hated Tebow, but the fans called for it, and then Tebow kept winning football games. But they got Peyton Manning, so they had an excuse to get rid of him without the fans revolting. And then Rex Ryan got him. Rex Ryan hated Tebow. Like, my biggest hot take is Tebow would have had a good NFL career if you had consistent support 
around him with the franchise he was with. He, I don't think he would have ever been great, but the guy had the charisma, he had the leadership, and he was just a winner. See, and, and you know, I agree with you to an extent. I think if he would have went to a place where he was the right fit at the right time and sat behind somebody who had a similar game to him, um, and just supported the shit out of him because he's a great kid. I mean, at the end of the day, you really can't say anything bad about him. You know, he, he came in, he won, he had a great attitude. You never heard him say anything negative. He worked hard. You know, he did a lot of things that a lot of people like. I'm just not sure that he could have ever been a great quarterback. I, I think that he lacked a lot of the, um, I think that he lacked a lot of the uh, skill set that was necessary. But at the end of the day, we also do see a lot of times that just the will to win can set you above a lot of people. And I think that that's something that he definitely had. Um, I think clearly I'm going to take Peyton Manning over him any day of the week. And But I think that that was kind of – I think there was a lot with going on with McDaniels. And I think there was a lot going on when Elway came in. And I think it kind of made sense for them to get rid of Tebow at any cost anyway. I don't think he was ever going to be successful there. And we're also starting to see that not a lot of people can be very successful under uh, Elway's leadership. Let's face facts. Tim Tebow was given a pretty shitty hand in the NFL and his career in general. He was not placed on this earth to be a thrower of the football, at least in my opinion. Hell of an athlete. I'll give him that. He's able to run the read option like it's nobody's fucking business. But tell me, how many quarterbacks do you know that are left-handed that had a pretty damn good career i mean i can think of michael vick and steve young off the top of my head any other lefties that you can think of oh there's there's got to be uh one or two um mark brunell okay brunell was okay well brunell had a had a very long career with the jaguars he had like 12 13 really good years um he's in the ring of honor so yeah he he was all right i, I liked him yeah, he beat the Broncos in a there's, playoff game. Uh, there is somebody else that was a lefty that was also really good. But, but you're, you're right, there aren't many of them. When you're a left-handed quarterback, I mean, it's it's really hard to be a left-handed quarterback in the NFL. It's it's hard to be a left-handed quarterback in the uh, NCAA. I mean, they had to create the read option just for the kid at uh, his college at uh, Florida. So. um well, hold on. They didn't create the read option for Tebow. Urban Meyer came in, installed it before Tebow I, I mean, got installed, there. Not create, not invented, but uh, he didn't Chris Jericho it. He didn't invent it. Well, if, if you remember, uh, yes, good his, point. Boomer Sizen, I forgot about that. I'm left handed. Uh, I'm the the greatest. You're not Joe Carroll. Uh, I forgot. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you got to remember, Urban Meyer, the year before he got to Florida, 2004, he had that undefeated team with uh, Utah. And he made Alex Smith the number one pick. And he ran the read option like a monster, which really surprised me that when they had got Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco, that they didn't start really implementing that with Smith because he was very successful with it. And he can run it very well. Yeah. Well, not anymore. He's got the shattered leg. Well, yeah, he's not running much of anything nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Sucks. So um, John Elway has... Uh, Slowly put together a pretty decent team, but his his problem, his um, issue seems to be that he can't pick a quarterback to save his life. Um, he's bought a little bit of time with the franchise with getting Joe Flacco. He drafted uh, Drew Locke this year, but think about the quarterbacks that he's just missed on ever since Peyton Manning came in. He lucked into Peyton Manning coming in. So I, 
see, here's the thing with, with Elway. Uh, you know, I could be dead wrong. I clearly have never met the guy. He's one of the great, one of the greats at playing the game. I think he sucks at his job, man. I think his leadership is poor. Um, I think that he, I almost feel as if he's the type of guy who's almost just outright saying, I will take any quarterback and we will make them good. And I don't know if that's like a stance of arrogance. And that's kind of like, kind of the attitude that Chip Kelly was taking as a coach in Philly, where he's like, I'm going to get rid of everybody good. Don't give a shit about anybody. I'm going to put them in my system and the way that I do things works. And I kind of like get that impression a little bit with John Elway. I feel like he was a good person to plug in there at the time. Um, it made a lot of sense to try to, to put him in that system, but I feel like he's kind of had a revolving door of, of staff quarterbacks. Um, you know, I just think he's, there's been some poor choices made in that team. I think the Flacco move was a good move right now. I mean, I think that Flacco, his time with the Ravens was clearly done, but I think that he clear, he has the ability right now to maybe have the best year of his career. And if that, if that pans out and Elway saw something, I'll take back everything I said about him. You got to keep in mind uh, all the plethora of pathetic that has gone on over the past couple of years at the quarterback position. I mean, Trevor Simeon was starting at one point. They had Paxton Lynch. It was just really bad. So Brock Osweiler, the the Brock animal, is was a, in a quarterback at one point. I, I don't understand that move, and I'm not sure that anybody really understands uh, what's going on in Denver as far as the quarterback situation is concerned. What do you guys think about Drew Locke in the second round this year? Do you think that's going to be a hit or a miss? I think it's a steal, and the one real weakness, as we kind of point out with John Elway, is his ability to scout quarterbacks. I think the fact that he got him in round two when a lot of people are predicting Drew Locke to go top 10, top 15, and he was able to get other pieces uh, around him. Noah Fant, Dalton Reisner, uh, really good tight end, and a very versatile offensive lineman that can kind of go wherever he's needed. Uh, there are guys projecting from uh, left tackle, guard, and center. So uh, to be able to get Drew Locke, who's got a ton of raw ability, but played in uh, like two different systems in Missouri, and he needs some work on his mechanics and accuracy. But the guy's got a live arm; he can throw it a country mile, and he's and he can fix his accuracy because it's all mechanical. And I think if he, they have the right coaches in place. They can make it happen, and I think it could be a real steal. Well, do, Plus, do with they, him being a second round pick, there's no pressure. I think I think a you're, I 100 percent agree with you on him being a steal in the second round. I think he's one of the better quarterbacks that came out of the draft. I think he definitely has the uh, he has the natural tools to eventually be a very good quarterback in the NFL. My my concern with him right now is that, A, do the Broncos have the coaching that can help him? Because being from Baltimore, CJ and I can both tell you he does not have the veteran quarterback that can help him or will help him. Um, Joe Flacco is very, very well known for not wanting to work at all with rookie quarterbacks, and he also is very well known for having an extremely bad work ethic. Um, he does the bare minimum. He doesn't want to work with his receivers. He does nothing in the offseason. Um, and, and, you know, that's not to say that, that he can't learn something from Joe, but I don't know how that, that, that Locke is going to want to be a check down quarterback for his entire career because that's kind of what you would learn from Joe at this phase. Uh, however, that Joe's got weapons there now, so he might be able to learn a lot. I mean, we all know that Brett Favre, didn't want to work with Aaron Rodgers at all. 
And and look at what Aaron Rodgers turned out to be just from being able to watch him. However, Joe Flacco is not Brett Favre. So I, I don't really know how much he can take from Joe, especially if Joe's not really willing to share experience and work with him. But on the positive side, they both are learning a brand new offense together and seeing the way Joe learns an offense may be very beneficial to him. Well, I gotta I gotta say, man, um, Let's take this opportunity to remind you guys that uh, New York Giants could have had Drew Locke at number six. I know, and I thought that's where they were going, too. Yeah. I'm surprised that Drew Locke uh, went into the second round, to be honest with you, but uh, I'm still fucking shaking my head at the number six pick in the draft. I don't get it. You know what? I I do get it. Uh, It's how they draft quarterbacks. New York Giants have a sense of arrogance about them, and they still believe in that Bill Parcells mentality when it comes to quarterbacks. you got to be a certain height threshold. Like They ideally want you to be around 6'2", 6'3", which Daniel Jones is. They want you to be a three-year starter in college. Daniel Jones was. And they want you to have at least 60% accuracy, which he did. He fits their criteria. He's not a dynamite passer, but... He's he's basically what Eli Manning was at the beginning of his career. He's going to be able to get the job done. Nothing flashy, nothing special, but he's going to be able to be successful with the right pieces around him. Uh, it's uh, based on skill set. I think it was way too early. Quarterbacks always get overdrafted, and if he has a successful career, nobody's going to say he was overdrafted. Well, let's let's be let's be real here though. Let's just say. We know nothing about him except for what we knew before the draft. Where should he have gone? Because third round. I, I'm thinking third, third, late third round. He was still been there. Maybe, maybe early third, but at, I feel like if he would have been taking anything before the third round, it would have still been kind of a reach. If he has a an amazing career, it would have been one of the most amazing draft picks ever. But you know, we don't know that now. We can't see the future. But I do feel like he was a third round, a third round pick. And if in knowing that. I don't understand what they saw in him that would have put him above so many other players that could have been picked in that position that are uh, that are needs for that team. He's yeah. an Eli Manning clone, and he was coached by David Cutcliffe, whose only claim to fame was coaching both Manning brothers. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like just based on talent alone, I'd say Daniel Jones probably goes anywhere from late first into the third round. But Rebecca's a premium position. No matter how you have them ranked on your board just as a pure talent, they're always going to get knocked up anywhere from like 15 to 60 slots just because they play a premium position. And that's so valued in today's NFL, especially with how few really good quarterbacks that we have. And Daniel Jones was a benefactor of that. This is a bigger reach, in my opinion, than when the Buffalo Bills selected EJ Manuel in the first round. I think disagree so strongly. EJ Manuel is like a fourth or fifth round pick that they forced at 16. <laughs> um, some people were being nice and saying that he was a second or third rounder. No way. I, Didn't he just get a job as like a commentator or something with the sports network? I, I want to say I saw that yesterday. I think he's doing Fox Sports uh, college football. Because he's not playing in the NFL because he kind of fucking sucks. Hey, he's got to do something. Yeah. I mean, Tebow's doing... Uh, <laughs> fucking development league for baseball, so what the hell? Tebow is one step away from the majors. He will play in the majors this year just because it'll sell tickets. That makes me sad. 
I think the only I, I I disagree with that. I still don't think he'll play in the majors. I think, well, I think, the Mets the Mets aren't going to make the playoffs. So once September comes around, you you do September call ups. Why don't you bring Tebow up? Transfer someone in a sixty day DL, put Tebow on the forty man roster, and sell uh, like an extra like five thousand tickets a game just because sell, you'll get to see Tebow exactly play. Exactly eleven extra tickets. Like when baseball with baseball when your team is this 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 bad, just like like the Orioles right now, there's nothing you can do late in the season to try to draw people out. I don't care if you put like the president and the Pope on your team and brought people back from the dead and just anything you can do. People by the time you're out and you're done and you're that far gone, people just don't give a shit anymore with baseball. At least that's the way it is here. Hey, I, you know, I 100% agree with that. But at the same time, Tebow is such a national name. And seeing him in the major leagues after being a first-round NFL draft pick coming up through the minor league system in New York City, people are going to pay to see that. I think Daniel Jones would have a better MLB career than Tim Tebow would. <laughs> yeah, You're just a Tebow it. hater, though. I, I'm not a Tebow hater. I will say that I'm not a Tebow hater. I just think that he's, I think that he's spiraled into irrelevance at this point. Like I feel like, I feel like you might even bump into him at like a Starbucks and not recognize him. Like the the general, uh, you or I probably would, but like the general public, I feel like, I feel like he's not as relevant. If this were four years ago, and he made a roster, I think he would be bringing everybody out. I just think that now, I just think people have lost their interest in him. No, if I saw Tebow, I'd probably be like, aren't you the guy that threw that slant to uh, Demarius Thomas for a touchdown in the <laughs> in the playoffs against the Steelers? Then take a knee and pray. Yeah, and then, then just thank the Lord. All right, guys, we got to move on to another topic. Um, put a bow on that. Uh, Dak Prescott, guys, um, he's in the final year of his contract with the Dallas Cowboys. What is he worth to the franchise? I'm going to start with you, Chad. Um, it, this is such a tough thing to discuss now because he's going to get paid. He's yeah. going to get paid one way or another. He is going to get paid. Now, I read that his agent is, is seeking somewhere in the ballpark of 34 million a year average, which would be like, what, like a $138 million contract. Is he worth that? Absolutely not. But in today's NFL, yes. I mean, I, I don't, I think at this point, they'd be crazy to not pay him because what else do you have? We have a shortage of good quarterbacks. I don't think he's very good. And if you're asking me, they're going to have to make a tough decision. Who's going to go, Dak or Zeke? And if, if it were me, I think, I think Zeke is more valuable than Dak is on that team. And they're probably going to have to figure something out with Amari Cooper too. And if Amari Cooper, performs like he performed last season man like they got to pay him you know they're going to pay him they're going to have to pay they have to pay Zeke and they're going to have to pay Dak that O-line's really really good could you just turn around and throw another quarterback back there I think with some with a running back like Zeke you could because they did it with uh they did it with Dak his first year I mean all you have to do is feed Zeke and we see in games where they will give Zeke the ball they win when they don't give Zeke the ball, they lose. And Amari Cooper kind of kind of changed that a little bit late in the season, and I think that that really helped Dak out. But I don't think that he needs he's I don't think he's the quarterback that you can look at him and say, all right, if they traded him tomorrow or he went to another team, I don't think he's a team that that has him. If there's another team that has a mediocre quarterback, that all of a sudden they get Dak Prescott, and you're like, oh shit, they're winning the Super Bowl now. I don't think he's that quarterback, and he's gonna get paid like that. He's worth a lot to them right now because there is nobody else that to, that can replace him that that you see in the next two to three years. Let's face facts. The reason why Dak is so good 
the five people in front of them. Oh, they're, they're sick. Yeah. That offensive line is amazing. Um, Tyler, I feel like you're gonna you're grimacing over there, like you want to say something really good about Dak, but I'll get to you in just a second. But um, yeah, Dak Prescott is uh, really benefiting from that offensive line, especially in the run game. That offensive line is a nasty run protecting team. Well, I mean, he benefits from the run game in general. Yeah, I mean, he's he benefits from a lot of pieces around him. I'm not really taking anything away from Dak Prescott. I don't. I think there's a lot you could be doing a lot worse than him. And a lot of teams uh-huh. are doing a lot worse than him. Yep. I just don't think he's great. You know, I, I think he's he's not the best quarterback in the league, and I don't think he is the I I don't think he's a quarterback that you build your entire team around. I think they're parts of the Dallas guy. I would build a team around Zeke before I built a team around Dak Prescott is all that's my only thing I'm saying, because they, they kind of did that. And with that offensive line, but you also Zeke's a wild card now too. You don't know when he's gonna get in trouble and be gone. You don't know what his attitude is like. He just got, didn't he just get in legal trouble again for like fighting with his girlfriend? No, there was a security guard that he uh, pushed down, bowed up on. Um, still unclear whether he actually touched the dude or not. We can talk about that in a minute, but um, Tyler, go ahead and give me your opinion on Dak Prescott. What is he worth? All right. So let's go. Let's take care of this cat first. Uh, so, that whole $34 million a year for Dak Prescott, that's like a new money average because he's making $2 million this year. And the way contracts work is you don't necessarily extend the contract. You rip up what you got and you basically yeah, start you over. start again. Okay. So that contract would be worth about $27.5 million. So he'd be making the same as Jimmy Garoppolo. He'd be making half a million less than Kirk Cousins. Do I necessarily think Dak is worth that much? No. Do I think Do Garoppolo think- and Cousins are worth that much? No, but you got to pay a quarterback. And when you have a good quarterback, you got to keep him unless you know you can get something else better. And quite frankly, who are they going to get that's better? The smart play would be to ride Zeke, uh, give him the franchise tag, let him walk, get the third-run compensatory pick, because paying a running back is not smart business. I, yeah, I, but the girly you, you deal. have to think. You have to think, though, and and I and I'm right there with you with all of the first points that you said about there's nobody better. That's the going rate for a quarterback right now. That's what they're going to have to do. Um, you know, the market in the NFL is to overpay a quarterback right now. Um, I agree. You don't you don't pay a running back. I think that they have a generational running back though. I mean, that that running back is outrageous. They just choose. They pick and choose when they use him, and that's that's what I've never understood, especially this past season, where one day they're going to put the ball on, De- on Zeke's back to win the game. One day they're going to put it on Dak to win the game. I just I feel like with with him, I feel like he's in their plans, but he's not in their plans. Okay, it's just it's a very strange thing that they do with with Dak Prescott. And I think some of it has to do with the fact that you have Jason Garrett, who's a much more conservative play caller, and he knows that he has to ride Zeke in waves. But at the same time, you have to game plan. Sometimes you can't ride Zeke thirty times a game. Um, against certain teams because it's not going to work. It's not going to be effective. I do like the fact that Kellen Moore is uh, going to be the offensive coordinator. I do too. He's he's going to uh, bring some elements of what Jason Garrett and Scott Linehan did, but they ran uh, a wide open spread when he was at Boise, even with his shitty left-handed arm. Uh, and they were very successful. He's the winningest college quarterback of all time. I think they're going to be able to do a lot of really creative things. I think uh, Dak's going to be able to utilize more of the read option in order to help him 
through the air. Amari Cooper is going to help with that immensely. I just don't think with the way Zeke runs, you can invest in him long term. This is the mid nineties when can't you invest ride in any running like back long term anymore. I, I feel like you can you can get a couple good years out of them if you have a guy who doesn't take a beating, like the guys who aren't downhill runners who just run bust through the line. You know he's a very physical runner, and I agree, but. Why not ride him when you have him? And they're going to come down to it soon where, like, how 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 long is Amari Cooper there for right now? Has he got this just this year? He's in contract year. So he's in yep. a con- they're going to have to pay him out the ass. If he has another season like he had this year, he's going to be one of the top paid receivers in the league or he's going to walk because somebody will pay him. You know, the, I just don't think there's room for all of this in Dallas because soon all, some of these O-linemen are going to come up and we see what they're getting paid now. I mean, look at the edge rusher. They just put a huge amount of money into this offseason. Yes. So the the cap is very spread thin right now in Dallas. I'm not sure they can afford to have all three of these weapons at their cap rate and try to pay them maximum amount of money. It's impossible, in my opinion. And I think one of them's going to walk at this point. If you had to franchise tag one of them, which one would it be? You franchise Cooper and you pay Dak and you let Zeke walk. This sounds like a fuck Mary Kill situation. All right. It is a fuck Mary Kill situation. I'm letting I'm letting Cooper walk. I'm signing Dak and I'm uh franchising Zeke. Okay. I don't understand that. Why would you do that when Cooper came in, that offense like took a huge upturn and Dak was way more successful. Look at Cooper. Why would you take that away from Dak? But also look at Cooper too. Why would you take the running back away from him? I mean, you know, like either way, I mean, I feel like it's, it's six of one, half dozen of the other. I mean, they have no receivers, but I feel like if you get one more year out of Zeke, they're going to lose all these O linemen. They know that the a running back is going to be relatively easy to find, but I feel like Amari Cooper is going to command a shitload of money. I think he's going to be way more expensive than Zeke is, and they're going to have to pay Dak. And if they're going to have to, and I'm keeping Dak no matter what. Do we all agree on that? Nope. You disagree? All right. I think you only don't keep Dak if you know there's something better, and I don't think you're going to find something I better. Got it. I agree. I got it. You're gonna you're gonna franchise Zeke. You're gonna pay Amari. You're gonna dump Dak, and you're gonna tank for Tua. Moving on. But what? But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, though, you all, if, if we can let history be a guide at, at all, which we probably can't. But what the fuck did Amari do after like two years in Oakland? Because didn't he have like two good seasons and then a bunch of shit seasons where he was, you know, a drop master? Part of it was they took Crabtree away and he was good having that complimentary guy. But I feel like Amari like really, really underachieved in Oakland. He did, but at the same time, it was a, uh, it was a combo play. Like Derek Carr isn't the, necessarily the best quarterback. That offense wasn't utilizing him in ways that they should have. Uh, just look at what they're they're doing in Dallas. They're getting him on deep routes, and then they're getting him on these little slants and putting the ball in his hand, letting him be able to do things with it and get in open space. And that's where he's most successful, catching in stride. Derek Carr is not a great quarterback. Well, he's slightly below average, in my personal opinion. And that contributed a lot to his failures in Oakland. So I mean, I, the I drops, the, obviously, yeah. The, see, I see. I, I disagree with that a little bit. I, I think that that Derek Carr. I don't think he's great. I'm, I'm pretty much with you. I don't think he's below average in today's NFL. I think right now there's a lot of quarterbacks worse than him. And okay, so Eric, la, let me last ask you season, this. last season, I don't think he was. He he played very well. But two seasons ago, you got to remember, we're two seasons removed from them. Him getting hurt when them them potentially being the number one seed. 
And, you know, a lot of that did have to do with Amari Cooper, but the year before, Amari Cooper sucked. Now, let me ask you this. How many quarterbacks that are starters in the NFL right now can you say are worse than Derek Carr? Uh, Let me pull up every starter in the NFL, and I can tell you. But, see, I don't know what Derek Carr is because I don't know what Gruden is doing with that team. You know, when he had Latavius Murray, Michael Crabtree, Amari Cooper, who was that tight end that they had – uh, the tight end they had that year, dude, they were they were pretty they were a vicious combination, and you put the right weapons around him. But I don't know that he has any weapons. Well, he, they just got Antonio Brown. Yep, Tyrell Williams. Yeah, I mean he's he's got some pieces now, but last year he had nothing. I feel like it's not a very good barometer to look at last season with Derek Carr and say like, what is this guy? Because they they didn't have shit. The team was awful. Yeah, I get that, but at the same time, it's how he plays the game. He doesn't build guys up, and I just think he's an average thrower. And I think those elements put him as a below-average starting NFL but do you quarterback. Think, do you think Dak, Dak builds people up, or do you think the other people build Dak up? And, see, I think and, it's and that's and a tough. And it's the same thing. I feel like that's also a tough question. A tough question to answer now, too, because I think that he was in the he was not in the right offense for him. I think Linehan was horrible and didn't didn't use Dak right. So I kind of feel like. I don't know. I I would put the two of those quarterbacks as pretty damn equal. Well, mm, yeah, I I would have to agree with that. I, I'd say they're on equal footing. Um, they're in. If I had to break them up into tiers, I'd say they're in tier three, the the third tier, and they're uh, they're not elite. They're not even. Uh, I just think they're Average. middle of the pack. I, I think I, I don't I don't think either one of them are like the worst quarterback you could possibly do. I just think that they're they're very average. And you know what? When it's time for Derek Carr to get paid, he's going to get paid out the ass too. It's he just not going to happen. Yeah, he's it's he's not going to get paid in Oakland again. He's probably gonna, they're probably going to try to get rid of him as soon as possible. But I mean, it. I think that how good you are as a quarterback, if you can win games, makes how much you're worth irrelevant now because that's just what quarterbacks get paid, and there's nothing better out there. Now tell me, who would you rather have, Nick Foles or Derek Carr? It's all situational. I think Foles is only going to be successful in an offense that uh, Philly runs, and I think that's it. I I don't think you can plug and play him into any offense. I think Derek Carr can be successful in multiple offenses. Foles needs to run that uh, Doug Peterson, Andy Reid, Matt Nagy offense, and you'll win Super Bowls with him. But you put him in a pro-style, like West Coast kind of offense, you're going to have what you got when he was with St. Louis. Ooh, that was a really bad year. Was that under Jeff Fisher? Yes. Yep. I don't know, man. That's not fair, though. Yeah, I was about to say that's really, really unfair. We had, uh, what, a 7-9 bullshit guy. Yeah, and coaching him. He uh, just take a look at the difference in the numbers for Jared Goff when he first came in the league versus his next year with uh, the new coach. Yeah, um, Jeff Fisher just made offenses bad. I think his mustache I don't disagree, just fucked him up. But some of it has to do with the offense he was playing in too. Oh, no doubt. Because no doubt about right it. before that, he was playing in Chip Kelly's offense, a lot of read options. His first year as a starter, he threw twenty-seven touchdowns, two picks. That's not a uh, fallacy of any kind. Hey, where the hell is Tavon Austin nowadays? He's with Dallas. Yeah, Dallas. You know, I was playing Madden last year, and they had him listed as a halfback. He is kind of like a scat back, third down kind of back, and they put him in the slot. Yeah, he made that transition. 
Wow. That's probably that might be really good for him though. Just to have him as a shifty player, they can utilize his speed. Um, mm-hmm. let, let him kind of do his thing. He runs a lot of wheel routes, uh, little uh, uh, halfback ins and that kind of stuff, and he does pretty well. Did he get hurt last year? I can't recall. I think so. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he got hurt last year. It's right around when they got Amari Cooper, right? Yeah. I really liked him and back when he was playing first, first getting drafted by the uh, Rams back when they were in St. Louis. But um, he's really fallen off the radar, and he's not the animal I thought he was going to be, unfortunately. So, um, Dak Prescott, let's see here. We should we should talk about uh, – what are we going to talk about Carson Wentz for some reason? Yeah, this all spurned because of uh, the situation with Carson Wentz. Um, Carson Wentz got paid a really good amount of money. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, $128 million over four years. I, I don't have the figures in front of me. That is correct. Thank you. Uh, damn, right on the nose. Do you think – so, so let, let's talk about – let's add him in that mix – how much better do you think he is than Dak? I would a healthy Carson Wentz. I would put as about like the sixth or seventh quarterback. Is he ever uh, going to be healthy again, though? And that's that's what I'm very concerned about with him. I I think the move was stupid. And I think they should have kept Foles and traded Wentz for a King's ransom. I agree 100. percent And a lot of people, a lot of Eagles fans that I know, and there, there's a lot of them here, being only you know less than two hours from Philly. Um, a lot of Eagles fans strongly disagree. I think the offense was way more dynamic with Nick Foles. I think that even when Wentz was healthy that season, he was ridiculous. I'm not going to take anything away from what that kid did. But there's so much more depth and dimension when they were running that offense with Nick Foles than they were with Carson Wentz. And now I think that they've just gave this kid all this money. It's going to be the uh, the him to the tight throw, uh, Wentz to the tight end show, and we're not going to see a whole lot of dynamic again. I think that. I think Philly really, really screwed that up. Here's the weird thing about the whole Wentz uh, full situation: if you look at the numbers, they're almost identical. There was no like the Foles offense is like tenfold better, but it felt different. It felt like the entire team was playing harder, was playing better, and Carson Wentz. Each of the last five seasons has had injuries that have kept him out significant time, and. That's a problem. The number one ability you can have as a franchise quarterback is availability. And he hasn't shown that he can do it. So now you're paying him uh, over $100 million in full guarantees. Yeah, That's scary. I would have rather traded him for two first-round picks, paid Nick Foles less money, and rode with that because then you can put more pieces around him. And I think they would have been way more successful. Yeah, I, I think the exact same thing. I'm glad to hear somebody else agrees with that. Yeah, Nick Foles was uh, honestly the heartbeat of that Super Bowl winning team. So I don't disagree with either of you guys. I probably would have rode that with Nick Foles as well and gotten. Uh, uh, I'm not sure what you can get for Carson Wentz, a guy who's consistently injured. You can probably convince somebody stupid at the time. Um, Dude, you could have got somebody desperate would have paid two first round picks for him. What's that? Somebody desperate would have paid two first rounders for him. Yeah, I, th- I I guarantee that there's there's not many teams that wouldn't give a first and a second for him. At the time, I think I think Browns somebody would have been desperate and given two firsts easily. Mm-hmm. This was before they had Baker Mayfield. I think the Browns might have did it if it was before Mayfield. Yeah, hey, if it was the Browns five years ago, they'd have given their whole draft for him. Mm-hmm. Mike Dicka style. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, baby's crying. God damn it. Sorry, can you hear that? No. 
Okay, good. <laughs> cool, good. The microphones yeah. are doing their job. Yay. <laughs> All right, let's put a bow on uh, the Dak thing, but um, let's go ahead and put a bow on Carson Wentz, too, because that contract pisses me off. It's unearned. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. I don't think it's unearned. I think it's unwise for the Eagles to pay him like it's that. But I think it's kind of unearned too. I I think that's I think unearned is an appropriate thing. I, I mean, seventy five percent of it was earned. Yeah, it's it's like he he earned an eighty million dollar contract. Yeah, I think you know, we also have to think in terms of NFL front offices because they lock him down at this now. In four years, he stays healthy. This is a bargain deal, and it it was added on to the last two years of his rookie deal. So his his average money is like twenty eight million dollars a year. So we're talking Kirk Cousins money for a guy who has shown that he has way more talent than Kirk Cousins and can play at a higher level than Kirk Cousins. He just has to stay healthy, and that's the only question mark. Eagles went over under over under eight wins. Eagles this year over. I even if. Uh, Wentz gets hurt, I think Nate Sudfeld can step in and play well enough for them to win over eight games. Are you hearing yourself right now? Nate's Uh, fucking Sudfeld? Yes, but the Eagles probably have a top two roster when it comes to talent. Yeah, you know what? And they also have like a top two when it comes... They're like a top two when it comes to injuries too, because wasn't their like entire offensive line beat down most of the season last year? They lost like all of their running backs. Uh, And then... They also lost, what was it, uh, Jason Peters, Brandon Hicks, their starting linebacker, and one more guy. And, yeah, Carson Wentz. And then they won a Super Bowl. I'll, just, I'll, take, the, I'll take the odds on that and on the over. Uh, I'm, t- I'm, going, I'm going with uh, – I'm going to take the over and say that the Eagles win. Is it, is it still considered the over if I say they win nine games or eight games, I mean? No, that's a push. That's a push. It's a, I, think, I think that they could win – I think they could they could potentially win nine games. I have to look at their schedule, but I think that Carson Wentz is going to miss half the season. I think this is honestly going to be the first year that he actually is healthy, because I think they solidified the offensive line, and I think that uh, he's going to be held up right, and he's hopefully learned from his past and isn't going to try to fucking run for an extra five yards. I don't think he's learned from his past, CJ. I'm hoping I don't either. Is what I'm getting at. I'm I hoping. okay. So I preface this because it is relevant. I lived in Fargo for his entire college career, watching him play on a weekly basis. He runs reckless. He doesn't care about sliding, getting out of bounds. He wants to lower that shoulder and get those extra yards because he's six five, two thirty five. He has not shown that he wants to change. He has not talked about wanting to change. Apparently, he said some comments like a month ago saying, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm looking to change. But he said right after his injury, I'm not changing my playing style. He plays reckless. I don't trust him. I, I, I don't I, think he stays healthy. I think I think he is going to get hurt again. I think the injuries that he currently has are going to plague him his entire career solely because he will not make the choice to play a different game. Well... And I think he's, I think he's playing like last season when he was playing, it looked like he was playing a little bit scared and apprehensive players get hurt. That's truth. Absolutely. So I'm going to agree to disagree on this one because uh, I think that, uh, I think that Carson Wentz is, is finally seeing the light as 
just my view, just based on the uh, the conferences that he's had and all the media that he's done. I think he's he's saying the right things, and we're gonna we're gonna see what happens this season. But I'm gonna go with the over. I'm gonna go with ten wins, just because I don't have any faith in the Giants. I think that's gonna be an easy two wins for them. I don't think that the Redskins are gonna do anything good, and uh, they might. Uh, split with the Cowboys, so I think that they they're going to munch on some division wins and probably get some easy wins throughout the season as well. We'll get into that very soon. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about uh, way too early picks in a little bit. That wraps it up for part one of this episode of the FAPT. Uh, look for part two in a couple of days. We're uh, going to try to get that out there by Tuesday, I would like to say, just so you guys have something for your commute for uh, Tuesday morning, for Tuesday uh, or Wednesday morning, I should say. I'll probably post it Tuesday night, and we'll uh, get that going for you guys so that you got the other half of this material. And uh, we're going to start off with the Baltimore Ravens on the next one, talking about uh, Mark Easley and some of the additions and subtractions from the team. Uh, looking forward to this one, guys. I, you're really going to like it, and I uh, hope to hear from you all soon. Until then, Faptors, have a great weekend.